My mentor taught me everything about the Force, even the nature of the dark side. Only through me can you achieve a power greater than any Jedi. Don't give up, Padme. The power to save Padme. I found a way to save you. Twisted by the dark side, young Skywalker has become. The boy you trained, gone he is. I will not kill Anakin. This is the end for you, my master. I have failed you, Anakin. I have failed you. It's over, Anakin. I have the high ground. You underestimate my power. You were the chosen one. It was said that you would destroy this and not join them. He's still alive. over 150 hours of Star Wars on film. This is the Star Wars page where we select order and elevate the best 40 hours of the Star Wars canon and occasionally critique shows and give people with billions of dollars all of our great advice, which they're never going to take. And that's what we're going to do today, Daniel. Yes, this is the sound of my voice about ready to do all of those things. We haven't recorded for a while. I forgot our intro. I, I have Just remembered it. <laughs> with Daniel Mothershed, who is in Denver who is an actor, playwright, and pop culture enthusiast, and uh, advice giver. What's the official term for those folks? They, uh, people who tell businesses what they ought to be doing with their, uh, their cash. A uh, guy on his basement in Twitter? <laughs> That's right. That's what, it's like, well, like a consultant? Yes. I was watching <laughs> that. Of all things, it just popped up in my YouTube feed. It was a Steve Jobs uh, address that he gave to MIT in the beginning of the nineties. He's like, how many of you, have, you know, worked in computers and software and hardware, you know, he's going through all, all the jobs. And he says, did I miss anything? And somebody says consultants. And he's like, how many of you are consultants? And it's like half the audience. And he goes, go build something. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes on this rant about how consultants do, are like the worst per people to get advice from because they haven't, actually sat with a project for more than five or ten years they've they're just giving their hot take on whatever it yeah. is and then moving on and he's like you should by the way quit because when it when hard financial times come you will be the first ones cut yeah, you know? yeah. so get a real job it was just it was like it was mean this is making me think of, there was a uh, Stephen sondheim was i think speaking at a large engagement he was it was a q a thing he was being interviewed I don't know if it was for the New York Times, but um, uh -huh. it was for people who were critics. And he says, by the way, I don't think being a critic is an actual job. These are people who have never actually made anything of their own, and that's why they do this. And it's not an actual job. And you can tell in the lifespan of someone whose career is a critic, first they start out doing fair critics, and then they start to get kind of sarcastic, and then they start to get mean, and then all the reviews turn bitchy. And that's when inevitably <laughs> they usually quit because it's not a real career. It's like, Wow. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, if you just want to look in the crystal ball, Daniel, at what the future looks like for you and I, there it is. Oof. <laughs> 
we're actually creating something. <laughs> we're creating a fantastic deep dive into the philosophy, big ideas, overlaps with history and the rest of pop culture. And art, um, for God's sake, which is very for, important. Art. It's one grand annotated version of Star Wars, which doesn't officially exist. Until now. And my man, we are at least our own recording 60 hours into this sucker. But we need to talk about the future of Star Wars. Heck yeah. Sometimes you get on the mic the day after you see the last episode of a uh, long-awaited TV show. <laughs> you just can't can't bring yourself to comment on it. Need to let it rest for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I I so wanted to comment and then I listened to everybody else's commentaries. And like, you will not be surprised with the Star Wars fandom that pretty much split, you know, and you had people who were way too enthusiastic and people that were racist, very, very critical. <laughs> and, and yeah, and then, and then you have uh, the folks with red hats that come. I would out. say split in the Star Wars fandom between passionately not liking it and being aggressive and demonstrative. Yeah. And I feel like those are kind of the two Star Wars <laughs> fandom camps. There's a few people on the fringe that can just say, you know, I didn't care for that, but right, whatever. It's the online equivalent of the guy who has the bullhorn outside of, you know, your, the concert that you're going to go into, and he's screaming about something, and you're just like, you're just making noise. Man. You've heard, have you heard Ricky Gervais' uh, <laughs> thing about Twitter, what Twitter is, his sort of real-life analogy for... What Twitter is, no. he said, Twitter is no. essentially the equivalent of if you were to walk into a coffee shop, go to a corkboard, uh, and and see a sign that says guitar lessons, and then a number to call for the guitar lessons, and you tear off one of those things and call the guy and say, I don't want guitar lessons. <laughs> like that's what Twitter is. Folks who have not yet achieved consultant or critic <laughs> status. <laughs> That there, there's a place for them. If you if you're not good enough at at those careers, you, at least you got Twitter. Twitter is there for you. But speaking of Star Wars, <laughs> just got done with Kenobi. I mean, it's been a, a month or, or so. We are in that spot where energy's kind of died down. So it's not like we're gonna have a fresh take on Kenobi. We do, however, have a lot of ideas about what Kenobi means for the future things that we think that could be built on because we we've had this season it's been kind of the disney experimenting with long-form storytelling with their billion dollar properties yeah and we're in kind of one of those spots at least for me where i'm like okay let's push pause for a second i'm sure that they got plans and they don't they're not able to necessarily adjust on the fly but if I'm running the ship and saying, what have we learned, not only with Mandalorian and Mandalorian 2 and Book of Boba Fett, but also with WandaVision, with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, Miss Marvel's out, you know, and the rest. They, there is some long-form storytelling here. And if you're going to choose to invest in it, I really think they didn't expect Mandalorian to do anything close right. to what it did. And I think they really pivoted hard all of a sudden because they're like, well, this has energy. Yeah, just push. What, what else you got? Push it all out. They needed some successes and they had some properties and they jumped in. And that may not have been the best move. They probably made financially. It might have been a great move. I, it seems like it, despite what some elected officials might be saying right. that live in Florida. <laughs> I mean, that's my job as a 
as a governor is to critique the bottom line of private corporations. Yeah. Um, well, talking about big ideas, got to enjoy some Kenobi here. And I suppose we've gotten a chance to enjoy four big shows. And I there's there's like pointing to specifics, which I think we can do. And there's also just talking about, man, here's some of the things watching these shows that I really get into. And I think that they should build on. These things work. Um, so when when you're thinking about these shows, specifically on Kenobi, do you, what, what hits you is this is actually something working. The, the moments where they've really, really leaned into taking the time with character stuff, character mm-hmm. development, character thoughts, the the emotions of these people, you know, particularly with Obi-Wan, there, there's a lot of moments where the, you really get to see, and Ewan McGregor is such a brilliant actor, you just really see what that character is living with and going through and thinking of and, and the moments where they're willing to put that on camera. Yep. I think are great because because why why are we coming to these stories? You know what I mean? It's not if I want to watch just special effects, I'll go watch a James Cameron movie. But I mean, that's why I think we like Star Wars in general, that that it is about these people and what they're going through, because these are hard, hard circumstances for everybody. So when you see Obi-Wan really worried about Leia and how he's going to get her home and the realization that he's going to have to he's going to have to sort of leave leave her and focus on Darth Vader and and those moments i think when they really do those emotional character moments it's killer yep i thoroughly agree and i think it's even right to say you'll notice there's no real special effects there right. they're in the back of a pickup right and it's some of the best star wars that's been created recently an older man and a young girl in the back of a pickup what? You knew her. My real mother, didn't you? It was just a story. The whole time I've known you, you've been hiding something. Lying to me. Leia. Are you my real father? I wish I could say I was. But no, I'm not. Sometimes I try to imagine what he was like. I know that feeling. As Jedi, we're taken from our families when we're very young. I still have glimpses. Flashes, really. My mother's shawl. My father's hands. I remember a baby. A baby? Yes, I think I had a brother. I really don't remember him. I wished I did. Then I joined the Jedi and I got a new family just like you. Just notice, ain't no CGI in yeah. there. No prosthetics. You just did the hard work of exposing the hearts of people that we care about. And the fact that you can't do that over and over again is a just a huge, it's an indictment on your inability to understand your property. You know, yeah, there's there should have been 20 of those moments. 
Yeah, I mean, and I think even the Mandalorian did him well. Yep. Granted, that character's got his face covered a lot, but they still have these moments where that doesn't matter because the performance is coming out. And then that moment in in the scene where he, where he takes off his helmet and is looking at Grogu, that's an amazing moment. And there's not even any dialogue in it. It's all yep. Pedro Pascal's amazing performance out of his face and particularly his eyes. And that's everything you need. And it's like, why aren't why aren't there more moments like this? Yeah, build up some characters. There's a bunch of shows I think that are really worth learning from that are not science fiction or fantasy. Oh, yeah. That perhaps we could bring those in. Some of the shows like Better Call Saul or like The Wire, you know, learning from those sorts of shows of how they are showcasing the inner life of their characters. I think Mad Men is another one where that show is yeah. exclusively about human behavior and pathology and, and how people are on their own and how they are with other people. And there's so that's, I'm sure I've said it on this podcast. That is my favorite television show. Yep. And it's beautiful at human behavior. Yep. Adds, add some, add some depth to, to our characters. Like you just, you can't give us flat characters that we love. And like, it's, it's like getting a chance to, to see a parent that you haven't seen for four years and having the conversation be flat and then walking away going, huh, I'm not, I'm not sure that I really, I, re- I wish I hadn't hung out with them yeah. all that much. Cause it would, that was so, it was disappointing cause there wasn't any heart there. No, I, I entirely agree. Yeah. It's, and that's where it seems like so many of the star Wars shows are at right now where it's remember this guy, yeah. that's cool. And then they don't really do a whole heck of a lot with them. So it's just, at some point, it's just a nostalgia. It's our buddy Lando. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so we, both of us, like we started on, what did you like? And then immediately, critique. Yeah. <laughs> I know, that is true. <laughs> that is true. But that, that, that scene with Kenobi and Leia in the back of the pickup ends up being... Something I gravitated to immediately found myself weeping because they they're executing something, and it took intentionality. It probably took countless rewrites, and you had to build up to to those kind of character moments. But that's what you got to build up to. You have to build up to character moments. Yeah, you know, if you don't target those, then you're you know you're wasting you're wasting your time. Yeah, well, you're wasting our time. I mean, they yeah they're wasting their time, but they're really wasting our time because I don't want to right. I mean, I, I, I've watched every minute of all of them, so I guess I guess I'm a liar, but I was going to say, I don't want to watch flat, cool costumes and whatever else. I mean, I guess I have, because I've watched a lot of yeah. the shows, particularly The Book of Boba Fett. Um, but I think I'm watching it out of out of that nostalgia. But when it's just nostalgia, that's that's just a poison that is is, is going to yeah. is going <laughs> to kill your product. Yeah. It's just it does, there's just there's a hope we have a hope the whole the whole you know series is based on, on hope, hope apparently yeah. and, and that's what you're selling and we're hoping for you hope you execute and i think and i so so just to to push back against the the negativity there was a lot about obi-wan that i did like I really did like and enjoy it. And and they were all when now that I'm really thinking about it, they were all the character moments. Like that that well, let's name some. The couple of the couple of scenes with Owen, 
Lars and Kenobi are great. Because, yes. I mean, again, it's two guys standing outside in the desert. And, you know, maybe there's some set dressings and some costumes, but it's not a it's not a green screenshot. It's not what it, it is. Just the two of them. And you can see, you know, there's the layers of what they're talking about, but then the subtext of the larger picture and what they're really worried yep. about and the things they're not communicating with each other. And it's just two really talented actors in a scene given good material together. I love I those moments between them where, where he's where he's pointing out that Obi-Wan doesn't actually care about him. He just, he just wants to know if he's showing force sensitivity and that's really what he, that's really what he thinks. And you can see that affect Obi-Wan. Yep. And then even more so, and I know people didn't like the character, but the, the, the moment with uh, the third sister where she's uh, interrogating Owen Lars is a great moment, is a great moment of, of, of acting. You know something? What's your name? Owen. Owen. Farmer, right? Wife? Kids? My family's of no concern to they you. They might be. You got a Jedi on that farm too? No. Why should I believe you? I have no love for the Jedi. Jedi vermin. I kill vermin on my farm. You protect your family. I like that, It's important. Twofold, both those are in the first episode, yeah. which I thought was by far the best episode, and I'm not sure that there's a close second. The I thought the first episode was really well done, and I entirely agree. Those are the sorts of moments that you needed. There are no stakes in this show. We know that Lil Leia is going to survive, Lil Luke's going to survive, Obi-Wan's going to survive, Lars is going to survive. You haven't really created any other characters for us to care about. And so if you haven't created stakes, you have to go for analysis and you have to expose the hearts of these characters and showcase in interesting ways the things that we suspect. And that scene in particular. Yeah with Lars and um, Obi-Wan does exactly that. It's bringing in real heart. I want you to stay away from him. We don't need anything from you, Ben. It's just a toy. It's a lot more than that. There's more to life than your farm, Owen. He needs to see that. There's a whole galaxy out there. I'm asking you to leave us alone, Ben. I mean it. Is he okay? You don't care if he's okay. You care if he's showing. It's my responsibility, Owen. Well, I'm his uncle. We talked about this. When the time comes, he must be trained. Like you trained his father? Anakin is dead, Ben. And I won't let you make the same mistake twice. So leave him on the farm with his family where he belongs. Put, you know... That's something I built. I was in, you know, honestly, even though I quote, you know, know what's going to happen, when when Riva does go to uh, Owen and and Baru's house, I thought they did a really good job creating a sense of urgency. Yeah, yeah. I guess in the back of my head, I know that they're all going to survive for for a handful more years and everything's going to be okay. But I still was like, oh no, she's right. on the house. She's in the house. These farmers have had to stash weapons in their property to defend themselves. 
there's there I feel like there's some legitimate peril here. Right. And I liked that. I th- I think that's fair. And I and I I think that's certainly what the you know the storytelling cinematography is doing i'm gonna probably mention it a bunch where you're really into that that show about the lakers Um, (laughs) yeah yeah. i'm really into the breaking bad universe right now and there are scenes in better call saul prequel where you know that saul goodman's gonna survive right but they will show you him suffering in ways you didn't know he suffered and those places are interesting and so if you're you're gonna show character growth and movement it doesn't have to be in these action set pieces it seemed to me that those are the sorts of places you could create more character moments that actually add stakes yeah just you're yeah i I, i'm struggling to think of other prequel-esque work right now that i can say that about but there are things there are things in in Better Call Saul, like you said, where where it's yep. is is how's I don't think Jimmy's wriggling out of this one. Right. I think I think you can do it with fictional material, but I also think you can do it with a, a nonfiction material. There were moments. This was a good summer for for HBO on on biographical shows, The Winning Time particularly, and the show Julia about about Julia Childs getting her television show. That story. And the the writing and the acting in, in both shows were such that you'd have moments where you thought, God, I guess this, I guess, I guess Magic Johnson's not getting on the Lakers. Or, God, I guess they're really not going to give this lady, Julia Child is never going to get this cooking show. And then you pause and go, right. wait, wait. Yeah. Nope, this, yeah, no, yeah. I I know the name Julia Child from other than this show. Okay, yeah. And, and I think that's fair. And if you can do that... Yeah. You know, I think there's some moments in Black Widow that did a really good job with that, where you, I got caught up in the story and was like, "All right, what's going to happen?" And then you go, "Oh, right, this is in the '90s. <laughs> she, yeah. she's going to live." Um, and there were a few moments of peril like that in Kenobi, but not many, not yeah. as many as there should be. Where I found myself not being worried because, oh yeah, they'll be fine. I understand that they probably are trying to do this. They create secondary characters or that you are supposed to care about. So Leia has her robot. Um, there's the woman who's the Imperial officer who turns. Played by the lady who played the Viper in, in right. uh, Game of Thrones. Those folks don't have resolved stories. So you don't, so there is a, I'm not sure what's going to happen with them. And this is obviously master storytelling, but Better Call Saul does this better than anything I've ever seen. They create a love interest for Saul. Yeah. Who... Everybody and their mom is like wringing their hands who gets into the show saying, if she dies, I'm going to lose mm-hmm. it. <laughs> you know, and that's also that, why hasn't that woman won an Emmy yet? Sir, I saw that the other day. There's a lot of women who have given brilliant, brilliant yeah. television performances. And a lot of them got nominated year and this year. And that's great. But if Rhea Seahorn doesn't get an Emmy, I might start to believe that that, that whole organization is flawed and maybe not worth supporting. She's not only had <laughs> some really stupid, Stellar moments. She also just as is as professional yeah. as you can get in terms of locking down. But she's also created she's created a character for the ages. So truly, you know, you can you can keep your Emmy. Like like, there's only a handful of. Folks but uh, but I also think she does. I just think she deserves it. I agree. Yeah, but but come on, come on, for God's sake. Well, Pacino didn't win for Godfather two either. So 
I, did I tell you I finally watched The Offer? I can't remember if we texted about that or not. Oh, did you like it? I did. I And I realized I liked the story about the making of The Godfather better than I actually liked The Godfather. Yeah. And I also would like to watch an entire show just about Robert Evans. Seriously. That guy was crazy. Speaking of somebody who deserves an enemy, uh, I don't know the, the actor's name. And I Matthew Good <laughs> is his name. He's a, he's a, I believe he's Scottish. The, he could not have done that role better. We can feed their souls because we know what people want more than sugar or auto parts or whatever else Gulf Washington does. They want, they want stories, Charlie. They want escape. They want love. And they want guns. Is that it, Evans? That's it, Charlie. And get out. Seriously, yeah. Took a took such an outlandish character that actually spoke that way and actually behaved yeah. that way. And if you've seen Robert Evans' documentary that he made about himself, the kid stays in the picture. <laughs> it's ridiculous, and you like him and are entertained by him, but I wouldn't say you care about him. Yeah. But there's a handful of moments in the offer where even still in the cocoon of Robert Evans, you feel for him and care about him yeah. and want him to succeed. So well done. Brilliant. If you're a Godfather fan, you got to check that out. Also, if you're a Godfather fan and you like our show, you should listen to Around the Circle oh, yeah. here this next month because we're doing a deep dive into part one and part two uh, in my other podcast, which is called Around the Circle. Jeff, you come to me um, on the day of this, the recording of our Star Wars pa- <laughs> podcast, and ask me to listen to your other podcast. That's how it's done. I just th- that, was a, that was the best way I could think to, to <laughs> reference the Godfather and pitch both of our properties. What else uh, really worked for you? I think the Mandalorian has consistently worked for me. Uh, the the two seasons and the two episodes of it that are in the Book of Boba Fett. The to me, the Mandalorian consistently works because it's not exclusively pulling on how exciting is it that so and so showed back up or that this character is back here. It is it is in a world we are familiar with. But he's a new character, and there's so many new characters around. And every once in a while, they give you a character who we've seen a little bit of before, but only in specific contexts. And then they've kind of gone away from the Star Wars universe, and we don't know what happened to them. So, like, obviously Ahsoka showing up, she's a huge name character. But we really only got six seasons of a 30-minute or 22-minute show with her, and then she left, and we don't know what happened to her. So I think yeah. I think her showing up and the ways in which she does are, are beautiful and brilliant, and they don't take away from the show, and yeah. I think that's the way you do nostalgia. Don't have your character show up and hijack the story. Have your character show up and, and enhance what's happening in the story, not suddenly make it about that. I think like Bo-Katan showing up is another really stellar example of that. Her character is in the world of the Mandalorian and she's about what that episode is about, not trying to make that something else. And I think the Mandalorian has done that better than any of the other Disney uh, star Wars, Disney shows so far. Yeah, I, I thoroughly agree. One of the opinion things that hit me going back through this is, and we talked about this in our pregame, I'm not sure there's a place for really elevating legacy characters. And the more that I'm thinking about it, I think legacy characters are the problem. Yep. I think what does work is the species. I am connected to Wookiees. Yes. I have an investment in Chewbacca. 
I don't necessarily need to see Chewbacca again. When you make the other Chewbacca, what, what is it? Uh, the character's name is Kersentan. He shows up. I know who he is, but I don't know who he is. And all of a sudden, there's a point of real interest. And I feel myself straighten up. I'm like, oh, okay, what are they going to do with this guy? Because I know about Wookiees. This was, you know, they do this with droids. They've done this with clones. They've done this in part with huts. But the primary success of this sort of thinking, I'm not bringing back an old character. I'm bringing in a new character from the same species is what they do with Grogu. Wait, they said 50 years old. Species age differently. Perhaps it could live many centuries. When Grogu shows up, I, the first time, knew exactly what they were doing and was highly invested. And my heart was there. And I had immediate attachment to just the species. I, yes, I totally agree. And I suppose Mandalorian is uh, that uh, Din Djarin is the same. Yeah, he, it's, uh, it's armor we recognize. Yep. But the characters we necessarily don't. There's something about knowing what the... I, I think this would be, if I was... So to jump to a future thing of, you know, if I'm building Disney, uh, if I'm building Star Wars in the future... I'm getting rid of legacy characters across the board, and I'm building on species. I'm saying we we have a species, but we have a turn in this specific species. This is the sort of this species, and that, you know, we're going to have, like, one of the more interesting characters is a Sith uh, hut that exists, you know, a few hundred years ago. Yeah. I just think that's a cool idea for a character. What yeah, would a Sith hut do? Totally. And, and you give that sucker, you know, force powers you could do some cool stuff or even what would you call it? Having a hero who is one of the species that we traditionally think of as villainous, you know, is, is an easy play, you know, I think we've, again, I'm trying to remember what we've talked about on, on the show and, and not, but I think, I think star Wars does have a little bit of an alien problem too, with how they're, how they're making those species of aliens look. Cause there's some that look great, you know, Grogu as a little puppet, is is amazing even when you watch the behind the scenes footage and you can see the guys puppeteering him he's still he's still so alive and it's great and then you know obviously chewy in all of the films that performance is is so wonderful i felt like and again particularly with the book of boba fett there's so many characters that looks like they went do we have enough costumes for everybody? No. Somebody yeah. take $45 and run over to Party America and get some masks. And I and I sure. just think, like, what are y'all spending yeah. all the, this money on? The, if you give us just a couple of big, wide-angle shots of all the, the aliens and such, and then you get to the intimate moments, we need your two characters in the back of a pickup truck. Or or even another really great series in, in Kenobi was when the the young, and I can't remember his name, but when that young Jedi finds Obi-Wan and, and, and yeah. says, I need your help. That's such a beautiful scene. Master. I thought I saw you in town, but I wasn't sure. I didn't think you'd survived. You're making some kind of mistake. I'm sorry, my name is Nari. I'm, there's no mistake. You're looking for somebody else. What are you doing here, Obi-Wan? My name is Ben. Come on, please. Please. You have no idea what I've been through. 
You must leave. You'll draw too much attention. But I have nowhere to go. They're hunting me. You have to help me. You want my help? Take this. Walk into the middle of the desert and bury it in the ground. Stay hidden. Live a normal life. What about the people that need us? What about the fight? The fight is done. We lost. That's such a beautiful scene. And it's just two guys talking. That whole dialogue has a ton of power because they know the world and they are using the force as a character. That's also something I really want to talk about is when you push into the spirituality and the duties there and the heart set of Jedi as a species, as it were, you know, this is a specific race in some ways in these, in Kenobi, at least it feels like there's some, some heavy overtones about Jedi as a race almost. You can do some stuff. The Hammerhead character in... Uh, oh, yeah, in Boba Fett as the mayor. Who is this who enters unannounced? You know damn well who. I can assure you, the mayor had nothing. He's a member of the Order of the Nightwind. Ah, then you admit it. It's solid. Yeah. I yeah. thought that one really worked for me. I, um, I did too, actually. That might have been one of the few things in that show that I thought really worked. Agreed. Because I also feel like there's a lot of moments where they they are trying to introduce new characters, but they're not spending enough time to really let us live with them and enjoy them and know them and then suddenly killing right. them. And you go, oh, okay, I guess that was the end of them. Yeah. Like Jennifer Beale's character, the woman, the Twilight woman who owns the thing. She's blown up. And I just thought, oh, well, that was sudden. <laughs> like that, That's kind of a hit and miss for me. There's... Because I, I really do like it when you establish a character and kill him early. The, the I think she may have needed a little bit well, more. Well, that's what I mean. You, you can care a little you bit You can more, do yeah. that, and that's fine. But you've got to make me care. Yeah, you got. And they're not that's they're not I mean. spending the time on character development. Yeah. That they need to be, and I also think some of that might be, and I, and I feel like this with the Marvel shows a little bit too. A mini series is ten episodes, gang, not six. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I, and I agree there, too. I think you got... This is, again, bring in the writers, the writing room. Learn from some of these shows like Breaking Bad who are really doing the writing room at a high level. There's got... Like, you don't need the budget because yeah. I don't care about... I don't care about your CGI. Put me in the back of a pickup truck. Yeah. And give me the characters that I care about d- saying interesting things. Completely agree. There's... There's a scene at the beginning of one of Stephen King's books. Um, I've forgotten what it's the one in uh, Nevada, but essentially, there's a married. The book starts with this married couple, and they're going through the desert on one of those back Nevada highways, and they see a cat nailed to a billboard, and and it just freaks them out, and they're like, "Well, what the hell is that?" Yeah. you know. And then and then a cop comes flying up behind them at like 150 miles an hour, pulls in front of them, and keeps driving, and then suddenly hits his brakes and slows down to 10 miles an hour and they come up on the cop and they don't know what to do. And so they decide to go around the cop and cause they don't know what to do. And then the cop pulls them over and this guy gets out and he's very strange, but he's dressed like a cop. Um, and lo and behold, he finds some weed in their, their car pulls the guy out and he says, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can be used against you in a court of law. I'm going to kill you. 
if you waive your right to remain silent, anything I, you say can be used against you. <laughs> However that works. They, he inserts, I'm going to kill you into the Miranda rights. <laughs> and then you're like, ah! both those characters die in the next five minutes of the book. Right. But that's how he starts the book. It's like, I'm going to make you kind of, I'm going to let you see these two characters. I'm going to kill them. And then I'm going to introduce you to another character in order to get, here's the world that you're in. Untouchables kind of does this. There's a little girl who is in one of the scenes and she, there's like a gangster looking guy who drops something and he sees that she drops something and she goes over, she picks it up. She goes over to the gangster to tell him, Hey, you dropped this. And then she gets blown up in those sorts of, I care about the kid. I care about the people. And then they're suddenly just wiped out. Yeah. And that tells you these are the stakes of the world. That sort of storytelling, I think, is a better way to go than what they did with the Twi'lek bar owner. Yeah, yes, I completely agree. Sorry, that was a long way. <laughs> no, I, no, it, it, it works. I, I, yeah, I just, they're not, they're spending a lot of time on stuff that, to me, seems unimportant. And not enough time on thing like characters and character development that seems crucial. Um, anything else hit you that really worked? I, I, I honestly did think all the times we had Obi Wan and Vader together on screen worked for me. Let's talk. Let's talk about those. I think those are there's. I think there's a lot of, to like, and I think there's a lot to critique on these for what it's worth. But what did you really like about these? Uh, you know, I just like that they. They did a thing I specifically hoped that they would do, where I said something needs to happen to move Obi-Wan Kenobi to the point he's at in A New Hope when it's when it's he's saying Vader betrayed and murdered your father. And they, I thought right. they, they, they had that moment great, or they did that moment really, really great, where, where he said, you didn't do this, I did. Yeah. I, and I think... You know, it was just another cool moment to see some of Darth Vader be a badass. That first moment he shows up in that town, he's killing a bunch of people, dragging them around behind him. Yeah. I thought that was so threatening and so scary. And and when, you know, you hear that person's neck snap, you don't care about that person. Or, you know, you haven't had the time to care about that person, but you still think, oh, God. Like, he just killed that random person. Yeah. And that first fight was good, but I, but I really liked the second fight because I thought it was... Again, it set up his dialogue to Ken- to Kenobi in A New Hope, where he says, "When we last met, you were the you know you were the master. Now, and I was a student, but now I I am the master." Because Obi Wan beats him, and it's great how he you get to see Obi Wan Kenobi be a real badass too. Right. And those were the two things I really wanted out of those out of those scenes where you you want to see them as two people who know each other and having that dialogue where you see his remorse and regret and pain for abandoning his student and brother and you see the anger in Darth Vader but you also see how he is completely submerged into this life so that he isn't Anakin he is more machine now than man and I think they did a great job showing that with him coming out of the Bacta tank and getting his suit put on you know what I mean we've co- yeah. we've seen moments like that in the, the shows and some of the other things and there's usually music over it but this felt so industrial and painful and you get the idea that and I, th- I think maybe it's said in one of the books that the Emperor kind of designed that suit to be as painful as it possibly would be on him. So, ah. so you know, as anger is such a thing for the Sith that he would always be a little in pain and always a little angry and miserable. 
It's his hair shirt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you feel that watching him get suited up yeah. in this show. Like it sounds painful. It you it, it feels cold and painful. Yeah, agreed. I really did think that those were done well. I didn't like the editing choices they made in terms of Aaron cutting that with how they revealed that Vader's out there to Kenobi that it's kind of said, well, like as a, mm. I, we had talked about early on that it should be a scene that Kenobi doesn't know that this is Anakin up front. I, th- I still think that would have worked way better. The reveal that Vader is, or that Anakin is turned into this machine, I thought, it's done at a distance, and it's done with that inner cutting. And You're right. That wasn't my favorite. Um, I did love the, as I've said in the past, my favorite Anakin is Bakta Tank Anakin for those reasons. Absolutely. So, um, And I, too, thought the Michael Myers element of Vader going through the street and you know breaking people's neck, that worked for me for sure. Well, and then there's the one scene where he sneaks up on Obi-Wan, and you realize that in mm-hmm. order for him to sneak up on people, he would have to... Yeah suffocate himself for a little while yeah. turning yes, off his, his breath <laughs> like that's terrifying in and of itself for a lot of other reasons yep. too because i thought like oh my god he snuck up on him oh that is a that's an empire thing there's a scene where that happens yeah where he and it's the only time that like uh, vader's breathing is sped up uh, when he jumps out and starts fighting luke <laughs> And I had never put that together until you oh, said gosh. it. It's oh, it's because he was holding his breath. <laughs> yeah, and I I think that's it's clever. There's no moment where somebody says, "Oh my gosh, you were holding your breath so you could sneak up on me." You know, right. it's just it just happens, and you get to figure it out and read. And it's just, I think that stuff was done really well. Right. I think McGregor's doing all the stuff that he's supposed to do. I sure wish, in terms of, I've said no CGI, but I do think that choreography of those lightsaber duels could have really been better. Mm. Um, I think there was a lot more that could have happened. There is also a Knights of Ren problem when we get to these spaces, is you have these characters who are force wielders who you are trying to show how intimidating they are if you have Vader plus some Inquisitors going at Kenobi all at once, that I mean, that would make me feel real tension. I do feel tension with with the Vader there, but I think that's more what's actually taking place. You know, I had a little bit of this conversation with uh, my brother, who is also a friend of the podcast, Josiah. Mm-hmm. He had said he wonders if so much of the lack of threat and ability to have a lot of things happening at once. He he said he wonders if it's the fact that they're shooting in the volume. He said, which looks cool, yeah. but is actually such a small space. You cannot have people run around. You cannot people have cannot have people do some of the incredible things we've seen in other Star Wars things because they're in this LED box. I think this is one, I think this is probably correct that the volume probably has a lot of restraints. But two, one of the great things about having a few billion dollars, you know, on hand, if you want to actually invest in a property <laughs> that should, in theory, be something that is a standalone piece of art for the next 20 years, go shoot, go shoot outside, man. Watch Fellowship. I was guys, just going like to say, the, watch Lord of the Rings for God's sakes. <sighs> Fellowship of the Rings, the making of, man, they're, they're shooting in parking lots most of the time. So this, I don't know what it's like to 
to be responsible on these fronts. But again, <laughs> character moments. And I just wasn't, I wasn't as impressed with any of the Kenobi Vader stuff. And I'll, I'll get to the last fight here in a second. But I, I, I really thought just technically they could have done a lot better. Sure. And two, I'm not sure that they shouldn't have had Kenobi versus some Inquisitors, uh, you know, like there instead. I'm trying to think of what the parallel would be, but one of my, uh, the only parallel that's coming to mind is off of Batman stuff that's not yet on film, but the stuff that they do with Batman and the Court of Owls is super interesting. And you have Talon, who is the primary, and you have all of these foot soldiers, as they, as it were. But if you have these like wicked foot soldiers that are like the Inquisitors and they, they're that ninja-like character, just highly skilled at martial arts and yeah. swordplay and the rest, you can, I mean, you can do some fantastic stuff. I think it was also a huge mistake for them to really tank Kenobi's abilities. Like I, he can have his doubts about the his connection to Qui Gon, to the Force, and the rest, but I think it really took they they I think they took away his power too much, and then gave it back very quickly too. I thought like that yeah. last scene where he gets out of the rocks. I thought, okay, you've showed right. him barely able to pull yeah. a small thing to his hand, and it's been a day and a half since that, and then. Boom! He's he's moving around yeah. all these rocks. I mean, I got caught up in the moment of it when I actually saw it, but then as I thought about it later, as thought I thought, hold on a second, yeah. feels a tad. I don't know. It feels a tad inconsistent. All right. So this last fight, Anakin. Anakin is gone. I am what remains. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Anakin. For all of it. I am not your failure, Obi-Wan. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. I totally understand why everybody loves this last fight. It, actually, you should pitch, because I know you liked it. The dialogue with Anakin and Kenobi, he cuts off part of his helmet. There's there is the scene which you talked about in terms of him saying I killed Anakin. Yeah. Talk talk about that scene and what you loved. It, I I just thought I thought it was a really nice dark moment. Uh interesting to see Anakin own behavior and choices in a way that I feel like through the Clone Wars and certainly in the prequel films we really don't everything is somebody else's fault, everything is somebody else's problem and they're hurting him and they're making him suffer and the, the thing that he finally owns is this really tragic betrayals and murder of himself. Mm-hmm. It was, I, I thought, really dark and and handled really well. That that's, that's the moment where he's taking responsibility for his choices, and it's, it's at that. 
all of this, I also affirm and up and the reason I don't like the scene is the same reason I don't like the end of the force awakens their version of what is the trench run. They do an identical trench run. Oh, right. And the, and new hope did the trench run way better. And so when you see that second, essentially trench run in force awakens, you're like, okay, we're, we're, you're actually doing this. You're <laughs> replaying the exact same end to a movie we all love and we wanted to come and be part of a universe. You think it's a rhyme and it's not, it's your copying and pasting and rhymes are interesting. See the Godfather and Godfather two, for example, <laughs> rhymes can be really incredible, but copying and pasting is lazy and and it was frustrating to me because, and I've said this in the past, but my one of my top three scenes in all of Star Wars is when Ahsoka and Vader have their confrontation in Rebels. Mm. We haven't gotten oh, a chance to talk about that. this, but fortunately or not, the Kenobi stuff that they just did is beautiful, uh, compelling. It's, it's just a copy and paste from something that a lot of us have, mm. one, already seen, and for me, two, the Ahsoka scene is simply superior. Sure. I was beginning to believe I knew who you were behind that mask, but it's impossible. My master could never be as vile as you. Anakin Skywalker was weak. I destroyed him. It's so well done. And so to see a subpar version, when you have, and just to back the story up, when you have countless years to think about this story, what do Kenobi and Vader do when they actually meet up? And you have countless millions of dollars to execute that story. And what you chose to do was copy a scene out of one of the animated properties. It's just, I, don't, I, I was, uh, it was one of those things that it wasn't just that I was frustrated, but it was, it made me, doubt the leadership and stewardship. Um, sure. Because if we, uh, to push this a second front, if everything's going to become a rhyme, we're going to be watching the same damn show, you know, just over and over and over yeah. again. And I think that's where they're at now. It's like you have, hmm. you have, you have, you keep telling the same stories. And when Ryan Johnson says, it's time for the past to die and then gets a bunch of crap for it. And then in Rise of Skywalker, you're like, well, let's just double down on the legacy characters and just tell the same story again. Ah, uh, okay. I think that's what we're going to do. My, my response to that is I agree with the notion that it's time for the past to die. Don't do it in the trilogy that's supposed to wrap up the saga of these characters that we've seen before. Now's not the time for you to get all art school on us. Now is the time for you to, <laughs> now's the time for you to land the plane. And then, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I know I know Taika Waititi had said in his trilogy he doesn't want to use any characters that people have seen before because that isn't interesting. Wise. And I think that's smart. And and I think I guess it's jumping ahead a little bit, but in terms of what I would like to see is yeah, I would like to see new things. I would like to see characters we haven't seen before. I would like to I, I don't want to watch the same ten men and women or or droids or whatever running the same plays. The same version of the same plays and the same threats and the same, the same all of the things. Agreed. That is to spin this positive. 
What you can build on is the world. What you can build on are these species. Um, what I consistently think is their primary character, and they don't know how to use it because they don't because they're capitalists who don't understand their souls. Apparently, <laughs> give give me the force. That's actually what we're attracted to in these stories, and New Hope does it, Empire does it, and Rogue One does it. They understand what they have, and may I suggest, so does Siege of Mandalore, and it's why yeah. those four are their best movies, is they elevate the Force as primary, as a character, as something that we as an audience member connect to. And when you get rid of the spirituality in Star Wars, you lose. Your stories aren't interesting. Or if you don't know how to be spiritual, your stories aren't interesting. And that's not me trying to shame people, but that's why it seems to me these stories work. And so when Taika Waititi, hopefully, yeah, is creating, I mean, there's all sorts of spaces in this galaxy on the timeline where you could t tell new and interesting stories with new and interesting characters, but the world is the same and the force is the same and that's where you build. Yeah, that's what I would love to see. Mm. I'm one with the force, the force is with me. I'm one with the... The rebellion is way too small in both the Rise of Skywalker, Last Jedi, and in uh, in Kenobi. It's like there's twelve people. This is an enormous galaxy with a with a you know a galactic empire. Yeah, and what and why does the Sith or the Empire care about these twelve people? Yes, because they don't also seem to be doing anything. And maybe that is a maybe that is a problem that Andor will will address. But I, right. but I, and I'm excited about that, but I, but I do have the same sort of worries where we know where his story is going. Yep. Of my two other critiques, I don't think kids work in these properties. I don't think that Anakin in episode one mm. worked very well. I think that uh, Leia was a phenomenal actress. I, I don't know that you could have played that better except for being a little bit more athletic. Oh, sure. That just wasn't the right story to tell. Yeah. Here would be a suggestion in terms of moving forward. You, I think that Star Wars keeps trying to tell the story of New Hope and Return of the Jedi. And what I want most is for you to give me some empire. Mm, yeah. And, and you, you don't have, apparently, I don't know why they don't have the desire to retell stories of that sort. Go dark. Show me trauma. So show me parental abuse. Show me real you know, stakes where you're losing things and having to grow in your spirituality. Those sorts of things I think are, are things that need to, to re-enter their storytelling. Yeah. Cause then you earn your return of the Jedi ending, but if you just want to do yeah. return of the Jedi endings all the time, you don't, who cares? Well, where's the peril? Yeah. Why are we happy that we've fought all the things and defeated all the villains and saved all the, teddy bears and or whatever like who cares if there's none of the if if empire is not in the middle it doesn't matter and it's not interesting or compelling that's it i was gonna say the, the thing with all of this and that's what makes me so frustrated is that it could be there are yeah. lots of opportunities for them to to smash these things out of the park obi-wan obi-wan should have been a slam dunk yep and they kind of had it teed up for some of that like the the really the most wasted character in the Kenobi series is Qui Gon. Yeah, they set 
him up over and again as the divine that was going to come and offer something worthwhile. And he doesn't show up till the battle is won. And now you're just showing how the metaphysics of the universe works. Yeah. Which that's always boring. Google Metachlorians. The it just isn't helpful in terms of showing the heart. Yeah, and soul to essentially show up and be like, hey, sorry I'm late, but I'm here to hang now. What are we doing? Is just wasted. Yeah. Where I was really hoping they were gonna do this in terms of how the story was progressing in The Mandalorian, where you had Grogu kidnapped, this creates peril, and you have Grogu abused. And what's really interesting, and it's a very Star Wars way to tell a story, is when you take a character of immense power and introduce pain, trauma, even torture, and you move them into places where they have new motive to wreck everybody that's interesting and i want that character to go there and he has a father figure who might love him out of that space all of that is what i thought they were setting up but now we just got mando and grogu or you know on their horses going to save the next town right (laughs) you know that is true well the transition then what do you build on I think there's, in my mind, and tell me if you think I'm wrong here, I think they have two big stories they could tell, and that is the Ahsoka timeline, which is going to match up with the Mandalorian timeline and is going to create, I think, probably everything up till the sequels. They could go past the sequels if they wanted to, but I think they're probably going to just live in that space. That's their first option. Mm-hmm. And their second option, it's always been on the table. I know they were trying to do it with the Game of Thrones guys, but it's to create an old republic. Oh, sure. So, which is essentially a, an army of Jedi versus an army of Sith, and then you play out those stories. Am I wrong? Is there any, are there other, I have no idea what Taika Waititi wanted to create. Yeah, I have no um, idea. Well, if you're in charge of this property, and you're saying, here are the big things that we need to build on as we're moving forward, is there anything that comes to mind? Not specific stories or, or specific characters necessarily, but I just think if I if I'm in charge of yeah if I'm in charge of this expand and we've talked about it expand the world blow blow it up yep. show more places show different characters they can have ties to characters we've seen before they can be in alliances that have come from uh, uh, locations or whatever that we've been to before but just. L- if I'm in charge of this prop this property, I'm sitting down with the other people who make decisions for it and say, "How do we do, how do we take some risks? Yeah. How do we take some risks because gang, we have not taken one in years." Right. I was trying to see I if agree. I could think of a Star Wars choice where I thought, "Ooh, that was bold and risky." And and I guess up allowing Ryan Johnson to make the movie he made was that. It just didn't it didn't succeed. But they're not taking risks. Yep. And they need to be willing to be creative and have some characters and have some things that maybe aren't, that maybe they're not certain are going to be action figures right away. Cause you know, the minute you come up with Grogu, it's that's a toy. Right. That's a toy. You know, Oh, we'll sell some more Boba Fett toys or sell some more whatever. And that's great. Like, yes, obviously as, as Mel Brooks, wisely said, you know, merchandising is where the real money from the movie is made. But it feels like a lot of the Star Wars choices are getting made for those reasons. 
Right. And they need to stop being the thing Mel Brooks. Star Wars has become the thing Mel Brooks parodied it, parodied it for being with Spaceballs. And I think if I'm in charge of it, it's how do we stop this? Yeah. When you become, when you're easily mocked for those sorts of things, you've you've lost. Like you're you're just counting your days down till you're squeezing the last little bit of energy out of something. One hundred percent. You're you're going to go the way of the Western on that front. And maybe that's the way of Star Wars. I mean, uh, the Western dies when it starts being parodied, you know. And yeah. And superhero movies are kind of experiencing that right now as well. Yeah. What do you do that's What do you do that's different? Yeah. Um, yeah. I am gonna. As much as I think Thrawn is arguably the best villain in Star Wars, I think Ahsoka is my favorite character. And it's still the case that I'm super apprehensive about them going down this path. Well, yeah, especially now. You know what I mean? I think yeah. I think where there might have been mild trepidation before, now it's proper, proper full bone blown speculation and doubt because we've seen them just fumble these easy layups. Yep, Boba Fett should have been a slam dunk. Kenobi should have been a slam dunk, and man, yep. they were not. If I'm doing Ahsoka and Thrawn, which I know they're already on, on the way. I'm going to give the same advice that I would have given the Mandalorian is you are in a post Saddam Hussein Iraq. That's where you're setting this Western. Mm-hmm. The strong man has been toppled. The strong man had a, had nuclear weapons, had chemical weapons, had weapons that could kill everybody. And now that's gone. And now there's a power vacuum and you have to tell the story of the force and these characters in a galaxy that has a power vacuum and it needs to be brutal. And sure. And, and there's no order. The that's so they are getting some of that in the Mandalorian, where there's no order. But telling the stories in that space, I think, is interesting. And then Thrawn becomes really interesting because Thrawn is a holdout from the Imperials, you know. Yeah. But push into the world, push into the Force as the character. That's that's just that's the win right there. The other thing in. I think it's time if they, well, two, I got two suggestions. The, the other suggestion is it's time to do Old Republic. Sure, yeah. Old Republic has so much potential, and if you can't afford it, do it in a cartoon. Throw out, you know, some of those stories in the way that they did Clone Wars. It, it's going to work. It's ju- it just is. It, everybody knows it's going to work. Is seeing those video games, there's so many stories to tell there as well. And so, um, especially with, and they may go down this road in part with the acolyte, but I want to see some female Sith on. Yeah, screen. that would be cool. So, and we talked about that in terms of they can't bring in Asajj Ventress, but you could you could definitely bring in some of the the female Force users. Or I here's the thing: create some other ones. You know what I mean? You can't bring right. in Asajj Ventress. Fine, create right. some more characters. I suppose they did do that with Kenobi. So I'm kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth there. That but, char- and here's the thing. That character was fine. Yeah. There, there was... That's my other thing, and I know we've talked about this, but I think going forward, I think for Star Wars to succeed, I think they, the as an organization, they need to make some changes and take some stock of things. But I also think Star Wars culture needs to chill itself out a little bit and stop. Just stop. All of the awful stuff we saw with the character of Reva in in Kenobi of, of, of just people being hateful for the sake of being hateful and like deeply okay. racist, misogynistic stuff. I think 
we got to stop that as Star Wars fans. Otherwise, it's not going to be fun. I almost didn't finish Kenobi because of a lot of it, because everything was just so hateful and gross and awful. I thought, I don't know that I want to keep investing in this because all of the culture around it is so hateful and weird and mad. Two, that- two things have been going through my mind on this. One, I don't know what you do with the problem of insecure men in our culture right. in general, which causes many of the problems that go beyond Star Wars. It it, it, it might <laughs> it causes it might all of the problems. <laughs> a lot of things. And I guess I get. I mean, I don't necessarily want Star Wars as an organization or Disney as an organization to do something about it. And I guess it's just idealistic. But I but I guess I'm just I just wish people would would go to themselves. Yeah. Is this what I want to do? Like it's I had a. It, you know, you and I have had just personal conversations as friends for the last couple of years where, where I've, where we've talked about like, I don't always want to be defined by the things that I don't like and that I hate. Yeah. Right. It makes me feel bad. It's, it's people's toxicity coming out in these spaces. And you and I have talked about like skipping spoilers and reviews and all of the, that, I mean, I'm at that spot now with Star Wars where it's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to experience the show. I'm going to listen to the, couple voices that i think are worthwhile i'm yeah. gonna tune everything else out by the way that's great advice for politics as well because <laughs> your high school plumber buddy doesn't about how inflation works but a friend of mine's aunt on facebook <laughs> pretty sure she's cracked uh, how the president directly controls gas prices go waste the rest of your money on crypto <laughs> yeah i think i think this is happening a lot in marvel now too i think marvel fans are now the new star wars fans and, you know, when you're Coca-Cola, when you're Starbucks, of course people are going to hate you because you, you have the money. But it, but just that, right. you know, I think most recently we've seen it with Thor Love and Thunder. Everybody decided what that movie was going to be. And they saw a still of, you know, Tessa Thompson and Natalie Portman. And they decided what those characters were going to be. Nobody said, nobody who was making the film said that that's what the film was going to be. But all these... right bozos on fandom in the comment section of fandom wire decided what they wanted the movie to be and then the movie wasn't that and they feel like somebody did them a personal injustice and are on the social media saying like gross offensive horrible things and i just think then stop watching it yep one of the things that really worked against reva and by the way that actor is phenomenal her it reminded me moses ingram is a brilliant 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 actor Go watch the Queen's Gambit. Like she's she has skills, and she's clear. The thing that people were getting upset about with her performance, we know on the backside, she is playing a character who is actually trying to play a character. So everything that people are critiquing is, well, she's not really the badass kill everybody character she doesn't come across as intimidating as she probably should there is a jedi hiding on this planet we need to know where he is you will be rewarded well or you'll be punished Riva! hands go first that way when you reach for anything you think of us and the thing is, is she is having to do things that are awful in order to bring to yep. get street cred. And the whole time she is feeling 
like this isn't the the way to go and it's and that's hard it that's hard to play that multi-layered thing but you don't even know that she's playing multi-layered right. until like you watch the five. first two episodes yeah and yeah. and we're so and, and yeah it's just just slow down i think there's both a place for getting really cranked up about people online being racist whether they be presidents or whether they be people in their basement and there's also a time to say these people don't matter and the less oxygen you give their comments the more that they lose power i don't know where the fine line is and i think it would be nearly impossible to coordinate society in such a way that we cut off the oxygen from some such people but I, I do think the fine line there and i think we saw that with kenobi and i actually applaud disney and ewan mcgregor for yeah. coming out for Moses Ingram the way that they did, because it wasn't ju- it. W- it feels stupid to even say it wasn't just like casual normal racism, right? Because that's detestable and abhorrent too. But I mean, w- when it pushes into the point where people are going to this human being's personal Instagram or Twitter account and sending them death threats and you know threats right. of physical sexual violence enacted upon them or other things, right? I think that's when. That's when Disney steps up and says, and Disney and you and McGregor step up and say, if this is the person you are, well, we're just going to tell you that's wrong. And also, there's no spot for you in the Star Wars fandom. If you're doing this, you're not a fan of this thing. And I think right. that's a perfect, succinct way to take away the toy and say, this isn't, this doesn't even get to be yours now. Right. Get out. We don't acknowledge you. You're, you're, you, the things you stand for are abhorrent and you don't get to, you don't, you can't sit with us. Right. I mean, it's one of the easiest ways to pin people who are clowns that shouldn't be listened to. If you, if your comments are sexual violence against a woman of color, you are in the ass crap right. of society and you, you're stinky. We we hope you get out, but in theory, you don't matter. It's great that Disney can't come out and just say you're in the ass crap. Yeah. But the I don't know what to do on that front. Where again, I think there's a at some points, I don't want them to be the conversation. Right. You know, I also don't want gun violence to be the conversation either in America. And how how's that going for us? So. <laughs> Well, uh, I know we talked about not looking at the news as often earlier, so <laughs> if you're not doing that, it seems fine. It seems fine. I um, think there is a balance between, and I don't know what that is, and I think maybe we all have to just figure that out for ourselves or our communities or whatever. I think there is, there are times when you cannot, where you have to say something. Yeah. And it did feel like the way they treated this this woman, that was a time where you can't just ignore it. Yeah, but I think you know. Do you remember? You remember when Tina Fey did that bit on Saturday Live where she said it was after the you know Tiki Torch riot guys, and she said she she was talking about just eat like eating a sheet cake instead, and said don't fight them, ignore them, and stay home. And it was just a real nice stop paying attention to these dipshits. And then of course, people on the overly well intentioned left leaning people on the internet were furious at her for doing that because oh you should ignore the and then she she said on uh she she got interviewed by letterman on his netflix show and she said what i should have added to that was fight these people in every way except for the way in which they want you to right and i think that's the solution i think the most effective thing i saw with tiki torch guys was to say you bought six dollar tiki torches (laughs) 
<laughs> you, you little boys. <laughs> right. Like, you're such a huge intimidating army, aren't you? With your $6 tiki torches that you bought, you know, at Ace. The, and now places don't even sell. <laughs> they went out of business. I, I think making fun of such people and just what losers they are is is really effective to like you're they're trying to be taken seriously and and to say you're you're just little boys i don't i don't know what else yeah. to do on that front yeah you're, you're children who deserve to have their right. power taken away anyway <laughs> our, our future of star wars got real dark here i mean such is life in say, 2020 have you been outside <laughs> people nobody's okay Nobody's okay. Everything's terrible. I'll tell you what, uh, in terms of Legacy's characters, that did was a pickup was some, some Top Gun Maverick. Did you see this? You don't I, like Tom I, Cruise. I don't like Tom Cruise at all. So no, I, I have not I have not seen I have not seen that. You know what? It for for my heart and soul it was I needed I needed a punch of uh subtle patriotism. I say propaganda. It wasn't it it didn't go propaganda. It was unforgiven, Logan the the old lion gets to get in the arena one last time mm-hmm. but he's got a few tricks and just entirely structured to be a feel good movie it, i mean it's like anything else where you you love the characters and then they actually bring the characters back and then they execute it well i mean that doesn't really happen uh, speaking of star yeah, wars i was going to say I mean, <laughs> the, the thing that that kenobi would like you would long for kenobi to be it wasn't able to do but top Top Gun did it, and so maybe learning hmm. the lessons from Top Gun. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, uh, super rewatchable. That movie. There's a, the reason that it's making billions of dollars is I'm sure it's the case. We I've only seen it once, but you could watch that five times and still think it was great. Anyway, huzzah! All right, well that's what I got. You're the man. Well, for those of you who have uh, stumbled across the podcast, we normally talk about uh, watching Star Wars. Not in chronological order. We pick the best 40 hours from the animated stuff in the movies, and we put it into a very viewable 40-hour watch list, and we're just slowly doing a deep dive. And it would make it mean the world to us if you shared this, gave us some stars on iTunes. Um, that's how these podcasts succeed and stick around. So you can always share your thoughts with us at uh, on the Twitter which we clearly disparage every time but apparently I check but it spend a <laughs> ton of time on <laughs> and that's what I got you got anything else? nope <laughs> well I'm going to jump back into that, that other material but we're going to jump back into really quality material here next time so if, if, it may be the case that we don't need some new Star Wars we just need to go back to some of the stuff they've already created appreciate the old watched. stuff yeah there you go <laughs> rediscover the the classics that we already have that's it you know why we should do this Daniel because this is the way this is the way this is the way Grand Army of the Republic broadcast, the voice of the Outer Rim. Go waste the rest of your money on crypto.